chapter. And so I'm going to read the whole chapter uh, to us. It's good to read the Word of God, you know. Um, felt very stirred. I've had one or two people speak to me recently about the importance of reading God's Word when we gather together as church. Sometimes this is the only time that people get to hear the Word of God. You know, we have many new people coming in and out of church. And so it's good to read God's Word. So let's read Isaiah chapter 55 together. There's just 13 verses. Here we go. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. For I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the people. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. And this will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. May God bless his word. Amen. Amen. I want to share a few thoughts around the first verse of that chapter in a moment. But I just want to just bring us a couple of updates that I think will really encourage you because it is... So exciting to watch and see so many good things happening in the life of the church at this moment in time. 
A couple of weeks ago, I went to the Kids Connect group on a Tuesday night. Sim and Hannah were cooking dinner, and I was just there for about half an hour or so. And it was just lovely to see so many children coming along to Kids Connect. I walk in here on a Thursday morning often, and the whole of this hall, both the main hall and the sports hall, has 50, 60 families in little sparks, parent and toddler. It's heaving. I came in last week, and this area here looked like the M25 trolley park. There was so many buggies, it was unbelievable. And just to see this building full of people from our community that are coming in and receiving the love of God. Once a month, the first Saturday of the month, who let the dads out? It's just going so well. I came the month before last and just had the opportunity just to mix with some of the dads that come in from the community with their children. It was just so good to see. And right now there are plans getting ready to start a who let the dads out in Halston as well. So that's encouraging too, isn't it? Monday and Friday mornings, this hall is full of people coming in for food that is collected from the supermarkets in town. And people come in and they receive free gifts of food and then they come in and they just share life together with a brilliant team of people who are there ready to pray for people and talk to people about Jesus. Two or three months ago, there's, there's three senior ladies that come every single Friday here and they sit around here in this bit here around a table and they also come on a Tuesday morning and I've got to know these old ladies and I, I, I always go and have a chat with them and I spoke to one of them two or three months ago and I, and I spoke to the whole group actually and I shared about Jesus and one particular lady who's 87 years old was so impacted by Jesus that morning she began to ask me questions and I said to her on Friday, a couple of months later, this Friday just gone, I said, I said, I spoke to you a couple of months ago about coming to a faith in Jesus. How near are you now? And do you know what she said to me? She said, I'm much nearer. So I gave her the Nicky Gumbel Why Jesus booklet on, on Friday morning. I said, go home, have a read of that. There's a brilliant little prayer in the back of that. If you want to turn and believe on Jesus this week in your home, do it. But I said, if not, do it with me next week. And that just seems to be these connections. People are coming in to, to Sundays from some of our activities. Um, I could tell you another two or three more stories of how we're reaching people in our community. Just this week, Sam had coffee with a young man who's um, exploring faith in Jesus. And Ben and Lucy connected with that same young man in the last couple of weeks. It's so exciting just to see some of the things that are happening. Last Sunday, we had 16 new people at our new Connections course. It's exciting, isn't it? So thank God for that. And then next year, we've got a couple of in fantastic projects that are going to happen. All right, I won't share too much about it because in two Sundays' time, we have a representative coming here from an organisation called Transforming Lives for Good. But Hope Church has just entered an official partnership with this organisation to go and coach senior school pupils in schools in the area. And Sam and Ollie have already been trained as coordinators and this organisation is coming in a couple of weeks. We've been given funding for it. And we're going to be asking people if they're willing to go and spend an hour a week in a high school to coach and mentor young people in senior school. Isn't that exciting? 
And then another project that is definitely also coming up next year, there's five or six of us in the church in the last two or three years, we've formed a community interest company and we've called it Hope Raisers, all right? It's a, it's a company that we've formed and, and, and we've just been accepted in the last two weeks, we've been officially accepted by Hope Into Action and we've been given the franchise for the whole of the Waveney Valley to start purchasing houses to home homeless people and people who have maybe come out of prison. How exciting is that? We should praise God about that. We should get excited about that. And we're hoping that by next April time, round about April time, we should purchase our first house in Dis to begin to house people that are broken and opportunities to reach them for Jesus. We should get super excited I actually believe prophetically, and and there's a reason why I've just brought a little bit of an update. Number one, because it's good to update the church of what's happening. And secondly, I genuinely believe prophetically that there is a momentum taking place in the church and in our country where there is an opportunity for the church to rise up and to really bring and seek God's kingdom to come into our communities. The amount of people that you probably talk to right now across your own sphere of influence and connections who are concerned and worried and not sure what the future holds. They specifically look into the news or they read about the cost of living and people are worried. What an opportunity for the church to bring the hope of Jesus and the good news of the gospel right into the heart of people's lives and into the heart of people's, into people's families. It feels like 2022 has been a year where everything has begun to open up, including the church. Momentum is beginning to get going again and beginning to take place. And I want to, just off the back of that, I want to share a few thoughts around Isaiah chapter 55. In August this year, my Bible reading for the month was the book of Isaiah. And I was so impacted by some of the things I wrote in that prophetic book of of the prophet Isaiah that God really stirred some things in me, specifically around this little chapter, chapter 55. Let me give you a little bit of context to the book of Isaiah, because I think it will help us, particularly for some of us that have not really read the Bible or wonder what on earth this book of Isaiah is all about. Or maybe you've been a Christian a while and you've never really read the book of Isaiah. But it is generally accepted that the book of Isaiah was written by one person called Isaiah. Clever, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, But he wrote this book over two periods of time. The whole book has got 66 chapters in it, and chapters 1 to chapters 39 is mainly around God's judgment because of the disobedience of the children of Israel. They turned their, their hearts away from God, they'd entered into rebellion, and the chapters 1 to 39 is more around how the children of Israel eventually go into captivity in Babylon. And yet, even in those 39 chapters, there's glimmers of hope. You know, we've got Christmas coming up, and we often read these verses, don't we, from Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says, of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. 
Wonderful. So there's even in those 39 chapters little glimmers of hope. And then you get to chapter 40 right through to the end of the book and the language consistently changes. For many of us, we know these verses really well that I'm about to, to read, but they're all from the book of Isaiah. Things like this. How many of you have read these verses before? It says, they're not going to come up on the screen, but just listen to me. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. What a great verse. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Do not fear, we sing this song in church. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. All of these verses are from those last chapters of the book of Isaiah. And then you come to chapter 53 and you have that beautiful chapter all about the life of Jesus, the suffering Christ. And it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was put on him and by his wounds we are healed. Great verses from Isaiah. Just a couple of more really quickly. Isaiah 60, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Isaiah. Isaiah 61, Jesus repeats these words in Luke 4. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor and set the captive free. That's not a bad part of the book, is it, Isaiah? It's just full of purpose and full of God re-establishing his kingdom. And so in this last big section of Isaiah, it's all about the exiled people of God returning from captivity into freedom again. God is beginning to do something new. God is restoring his people. The city of Jerusalem that has been destroyed will be rebuilt. And God's desire is that his purpose will be revealed through his people. Just want to put this, this next screen up, which is going to be my only, my only screen for the rest of the morning, okay, the rest of my preach. I want to focus on presence. I want to focus on presence. Because the first words that we read in Isaiah 55 are these. Come, all you who are thirsty. How many of us here this morning have had moments in our lives where we've been gasping for a drink? I remember going on a bike ride in the mountains of South Wales once, in Bilth Wells in Wales, with a whole group of Christians. And we'd gone on mountain bikes all up the, the hills in this part of Wales, and we'd taken water bottles with us, and they were like in our rucksacks. And I think about halfway round, it was so hot, and we had been up in the hills for so long, I'd completely run out of water. And I was with a mate of mine called Andy Williams. And when we got back down, I had no water. I hadn't had a drink for about an hour and a half. And I was gasping. And I remember we both walked into this pub. And we ordered a pint of lager. And we still talk about it to this very day. We just didn't talk to each other for the whole duration of drinking that pint. I don't think it touched the sides. It just went down so fast because I was so thirsty. And Isaiah says to God's people, come. 
Come into my presence, all who are thirsty. Here is the invitation. How many of you have heard about maybe some friends that are going to get married and you hear about where they're going to get married and there's something in your heart that says, I hope I get invited to that wedding. (laughs) And when you don't, it's disappointing, isn't it? But you just hope. Well, we have some friends whose son got married a few years ago uh, to this beautiful young lady and... We knew where they were going to get married. We got to find out where they were going to get married. And there was something in me that thought, I hope I get invited. And guess what? We got invited. <laughs> Woohoo! And the reason I was excited is because they were getting married down in Sussex. And their reception was in the grounds of this beautiful private school in a place called Great Walstead. And they had this stunning marquee put up in these stunning grounds... And we got invited to this very, very, very nice wedding. Now, the reason I was so excited about getting that invitation is because when I was a young lad growing up in this church, our youth group, people like Peter Clark and David and Keith Coleman, they'll remember this, all right? We used to go to a youth camp in a private school called Great Walstead. And it was the same school where we spent years and years going to youth camp from this church where this wedding was taking place. Now, you might be thinking, well, what's the significance of that, Graham? It was where I met my wife. Yeah. Michelle was helping in the kitchen, running the youth camp, and I was helping running the sports program for the youth camp. And I would go in, and there our eyes met. And so it was so lovely all those years. Thanks, Lorraine. It was so lovely all those... Lorraine's going... (laughs) Um, I've completely dobbed her in now, haven't I? All those years later, it was so exciting to go back to the school to where Michelle and I first met. I was glad about getting an invite. But when we read Isaiah 55, this is an open invitation Can I say to all of us this morning, when it comes to God's kingdom, God's kingdom is never an invitation for the few. God's kingdom is never an invitation for the exclusive ones who have all the so-called ability. God's kingdom is inviting everyone. There is a place for every single believer of Jesus to find their purpose and their place in God's kingdom. Why? Because he invites you. He invites you. He's there for every single one and he's saying, come. Come on. Come and be part of my plan. Come and be part of my presence. But here is the kind of of clause in in that phrase. He says, come everyone who is thirsty. Now, if that was a one-off verse, I probably wouldn't be preaching on that this morning. But coming to God out of a deep longing and thirst is quite a recurring theme in the Word of God. Jesus himself speaks these words in John chapter 7. On the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stands and says in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In John chapter 4, when he meets the woman at the well... 
And if you've ever read John chapter 4, it's an amazing story of God's salvation to that whole village from Samaria. From Samaria. Amazing story. He meets this woman, brings her the word of knowledge that sets her free, and she goes back and she talks to all the people in her village and she says, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And they all come out of the village and it says that Jesus stays there for several more days and many believed from that town. And in that story, he says these words to this woman as he was at the well wanting a drink. He says, everyone who drinks this water from this natural well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's something important about being thirsty for God's kingdom. David writes these words in Psalm 63 verse 1. He says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. There is something about coming into the presence of God with a thirsty soul that is transformative and very, trans- and very refreshing. Learning to be still, to sit in that place of silence and say, God, I come with a thirsty soul into your presence. It's in that place that God stills your heart and connects with your innermost being. Now, on the stage this morning, I've bought a visual aid. And it comes from this chair here, this armchair, comes from one of our bedrooms upstairs. A few years ago, Michelle and I converted our smallest bedroom into a prayer room. And this is the chair that both Michelle and I sit in very, very regularly. We go into this little room upstairs to a place where we just want to be in the presence of of God. This chair for me in my home is the place of invitation. It's the place where God says, Come. It's the place where God says, Draw near. It's the place where God says, Just come and be with me. Sometimes when I sit in this chair, often I don't say anything. In fact, Mother Teresa was once asked what her prayer life was like. And she was asked this question, so when you pray, what do you say? Do you know what she said? Nothing. And then she was asked this second question, what does God say to you? Nothing. She says, I just like to be. I just like to sit with God. I just like to be in his presence. I just like to be still and soak in who he is in my life. And often when I sit in this chair in this little room, in fact, ironically, um, we've had our guest bedroom decorated in the last few weeks and the new carpets were only fitted this week. So we had to move everything out of our guest room into another room and we've moved it into the prayer room. So for the last Three weeks, our prayer room has just been cluttered full of stuff from the other room, and we haven't been able to get in there. And it's actually caused a little bit of tension in our early morning devotion because we find ourselves both in the lounge downstairs, and I'm trying to have a quiet time, and Michelle's up the other end of the room, like singing. And I'm thinking, for goodness sake, be quiet. 
or she's trying to have a quiet time and I'm sitting up the other end of the room and I'm speaking in tongues and she's thinking, for goodness sake, Graham, just shh. <laughs> so getting our, getting our prayer room decluttered this week and getting it back was brilliant. This place of invitation for me is a place of peace. It's a place of reflection. It's a place where I just sit and I unburden my heart to God. It's a place of confession. But more than anything, it's a place of his presence. But I want to just confess something. I don't always desire this place. I don't always earnestly seek God here. My whole being doesn't always long for God. I don't always want to gaze into his beauty. And yet there is no substitute for being in God's presence. There's no better place to go to the place of his invitation where he says, come, sit with me, be in my presence. Where is your chair? Where is your place where you just sit and be in the presence of God? Where is your place of invitation where God says, come and be with me? In the second book of Samuel, chapter 11, we read a horrendous, a terribly sad story. King David, who should have been at war, stood on the balcony of his palace and he looks down and he sees a very beautiful woman taking a bath called Bathsheba. And he inquires of her and he asks her to come up into his palace and he commits adultery with this woman. She goes back home and a few weeks later she sends word to him that she's having his baby. Bathsheba's husband is on the front line of battle fighting in David's army. So David's story here gets very messy. He brings Uriah back from the front of the battle to his wife Bathsheba who is now pregnant with David's baby and he says, go and sleep with your wife. He's trying to cover it all up. But because Uriah was an honourable man and knew that his place should have been on the battlefront, he decides to sleep outside of his house and refuses to go in to be intimate with his wife. So David gets him drunk, hoping that in his drunken stupor, he would go and have a night with his wife and he could somehow get this whole mess covered up. But that doesn't work either. So David sends him back onto the front line and says to the commander of his army, make sure that you put Uriah on the front line and when the enemy advances, you draw back and like kind of leave him there defenseless. And the Bible tells us that in that particular moment, Uriah the Hittite gets killed by the other army and David goes, phew, sorted. But it wasn't. And David eventually gets found out and he comes to God and he writes this beautiful psalm in Psalm 51 and he writes 
a, a psalm of repentance and asking God to forgive him. And he, he asks God to do a number of things. He says, God, would you create in me a clean heart? Would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Would you renew a right spirit within me? But he asks God to not do two things. We often read that psalm and we focus on creating me a clean heart, restore to me the joy of my salvation, renewing me a right spirit. But there are two things that he asks God not to do. And this is what he says. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David realized that the source of his life and effectiveness was the presence of God and the Spirit within. I want to say to us, church, this morning, the presence of God is essential. The presence of God in our individual lives is more important than anything else. And the presence of God and his spirit within this church is more important than the best of our programs and is more important than the greatest of our projects because without it, we will not carry the power and the effectiveness of the kingdom into our community. And God says... Come, come and be in my presence. Come thirsty for my presence. I invite you to come. You see, God's presence will become a place of understanding. What did we read? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. When we begin, when we come into God's presence, when we accept the invitation to come and be with God, this is what begins to happen. We begin to understand God's ways. The Spirit of God starts to reveal the ways and the thoughts of God to us. And, and when, I don't know about you, but how many of you have been in a situation when you, where you've tried to work it out for yourself? You know, you've got something going on in life, something going on in your family, something going on in your work, or something just going on. And you get all in a tiz because you try and work it out. You think about it. You stew over it. You think, well, if I do that, this could happen. And if we go there, that could happen. And we forget to come to the place of invitation. We forget to come to the place of his presence. And what happens is that when our thoughts and our ways try to work out God's thoughts and God's ways, we get all stressed. We lose our peace and we find ourselves in a place of strife instead of a place of rest. But when we submit and we sit at his feet, our thoughts start to get in line with God's thoughts. 
And our ways start to come into line with God's ways. And God's presence starts to become a place of fresh understanding for us. And all of a sudden we think, ah, God said that. And we begin to understand. I've journeyed through life's experiences thinking, how on earth am I going to think or get my way through this? And it's often in those moments that I don't come and sit in my chair. But I get to a place of anxiety and stress and fear. And I'm thinking, goodness, how are we going to do this? How are we going to work through this as a church? What are we going to do with this particular pastoral situation? What are we going to do in my workplace? How are we going to sort my kids out? How are we going to find enough money to make ends meet? And it's like we try and work it out and we get all stressed and we lose all peace and we get full of anxiety. And God says, I'm inviting you to come and just be with me so I can bring my ways in line with your thinking. Because my thoughts are higher than yours. They've got a far bigger perspective. And it's in that place of his presence that he reminds us of his promise. It's where we give God time to assure us that all is well. It's where he sings over us. It's where he tells us, I haven't forgotten what I said. God's presence becomes a place of your song. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. That's what it says. That when we come into that place of invitation, the presence of God, God sings over us and he speaks over us and he assures us that I am with you. And so my my appeal to us this morning is this. Come. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come and drink. Of the well that never runs dry. I invite you to come and sit in my presence. And so as we sing a song together this morning. All about coming. I want to invite you today. If in this moment of time where I've just shared these thoughts, you've been sitting there thinking, I need to come again to the place of the presence of God. Maybe you've never done that. And maybe you're all at sea in your whole thinking about God. Well, why don't you come to his presence today? Maybe God wants to make you thirsty again. put something in you that says, God, I'm thirsty for your presence. Maybe through circumstances or situations, you've just lost that sense of just coming and being in his presence. Coming and sitting at his feet. You haven't responded to the invitation that says, come. 
Well, this morning, God invites us again. Come. And so I want to invite you to come. I actually think it would be good for people to physically come and say, God, as a symbol of my response to you this morning, I'm actually going to step out of my seat and I'm going to come. And I'm going to make a decision today and a choice to spend more time in your presence. I'm going to find my chair. And I'm going to learn what it means just to sit and just to be in your presence, Lord. Just to close my eyes and say, Lord Jesus, let me just bask in the goodness of who you are. It will transform your life. And it will fill you with all the good things of God. So why don't we stand? Lucy's going to lead us in this song. And if something in this message today has spoken to you, why don't you come? Literally come as God invites you. As God invites you. Let's come. And we'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lucy.